This is the Young Professionals Podcast, proudly brought to you by Adapt Careers, where we speak with young professionals to understand what they do in their roles day to day, how they got there and what they've learned along the way. My name is Luke Marriott. And I am Nicholas Sargent, better known as Sarge. And we are your co-hosts. Sarge, what do our listeners need to do? To stay up to date and support what we're doing, please subscribe, like the episode and leave a comment on any of our social channels. We can't wait to hear from you. Hi guys, Luke and Sarge here and welcome back to another episode of the Young Professionals Podcast. Luke, who are we speaking with this morning? Sarge, a bit of a different one today. We've got two guests and we are taking a bit of a more industry-based focus and speaking about what graduate recruiters um, are going to be looking for for with students coming through uh, university and other avenues looking to get into the working market. So today we're speaking with Grant Robson from Prospel, which is the power behind the platform Grad Australia, which is a platform that helps over 1.2 million students annually get the best possible start to their career. And a lot of people have probably seen that platform and hopefully use that platform already. And also we're speaking with Nicole Chapman, who is the graduate recruiter from Optiva, which is a leading player in the global financial market space. Um, we'll get to Nicole in a second, but Grant, why don't we start with you and you can run us through what Grad Australia is for those that don't know uh, and how you help grads and grad recruiters throughout Australia and New Zealand. Sure. Thanks, Luke. And um, yeah, great to be on uh, this pod. Um, so a little bit about Grad Australia, what we do. So we've, it's a free resource for students basically to jump on and search, find and apply for um, their ideal jobs um, and we do a lot of we work with employers like Optiva to build out um, basically an insights and the, you know backstage pass to students to help them better understand companies and understand what the difference of one law firm is to another um, which we feel like that's quite important because it kind of puts them all back in the student's court in terms of helping them make a more informed decision when they're looking for um yeah, employers of choice and when they're applying for, for internships, clerkships or graduate jobs. Very useful resource and certainly something Luke and I have consulted in the past, Grant. Uh, your Grad Australia Top 100 got released recently. Do you want to spin us through that and how uh, how a business such as Optivar that made it into the Grad 100 for the first time this year makes the cut? Yeah, so basically there was around 800 employers that were nominated for that list. Um and the criteria basically being that they need to hire grads in the last one to two years or they're planning to hire this year. Um, and then in terms of how we actually rank the employers, and, and it's a commercially uh, unbiased, meaning that whether an employer works with Red Australia or Prosper or not, um, they still feature in that list, which we, we feel like that's quite important to actually uphold the integrity of the, the list. Um, but in terms, and in terms of methodology and how employers are ranked, it's a 50-50 split between the popularity of the program, i.e. how many students are Googling Optiva or jumping on Grad Australia and looking for Optiva or other other firms. And so it's a popularity metric. There's a bunch of other um, data points that we sort of get from there as well. And in terms of the quality metric as well, so that's the other 50% that's made up and that's you know, how happy are grads actually in the program and Optiva and other companies? Um, how many smiley faces are there on the job? Um, so we do that via graduate reviews where we actually survey grads on the job and ask them, you know, what are the, what are the good bits, not so good bits, what basically what life's like at different companies. Yeah, so it's a little summary of it without going into too much detail. Uh, thank away. you. I think that's extremely useful for students to understand um, the data that sits behind what the, what 
um, makes up the top 100. Over, over to you, Nicole. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you here today, and we're really excited to celebrate Optiva making the top 100. What is Optiva? Well, thanks for, for having me. Um, so Optiva, uh, in short, we're a trading company. Um, we're a global market maker, and essentially we work to make the financial markets more transparent, more efficient, uh, and more fair. But we do so uh, really leveraging the technology that we build in-house. So not so much the Wolf of Wall Street kind of vibe that many students might think of um, when they think of trading in the first instance. Um, and a big part of the, the job of myself and the team is to educate students on what that does actually look like uh, on the contrary. Beautiful. And you guys, when we when were you founded? We were founded back in 1986. Um, yeah, so we've literally just celebrated our 35-year anniversary uh, last weekend. Well, what, a, what a great way to celebrate it by making that top 100. Absolutely. Very, very proud of that. It's uh, straight in my email signature for, for all of the university and student partners we work with to see. Oh, very good. Well, Nicole, we want to get into, I guess, the granular detail with you uh, speaking from the perspective of a graduate recruiter. Now, this doesn't have to be um, for those listening um, strictly from a financial perspective. I think a lot of the things that we'll talk about are relevant for anyone applying to any kind of um, bigger corporate. When mm. applications come through, do you want to just spin us through the rough process of say you get a thousand or five thousand? I don't know how many applications you get. What does that process actually look like? And then I guess we can start talking about how people can start differentiating themselves against or apart from all of those people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for ourselves here at Optiva, we have kind of three key buckets, our, our trading, slightly more quantitative roles, um, our, our technology roles, as it kind of says on the tin, um, and then our, our control risk-oriented roles. So the process will differ slightly, but there's definitely some commonalities across each of our processes and no doubt, uh, you know, other processes for other organizations and, and business domains as well. Um, first and foremost is our application stage. Um, so we'll either ask for your CV cover letter and academic transcript or instead of your cover letter answer to a couple of questions. From there, we'll go into some form of a technical and, and quantitative testing. Um, you'll progress to a behavioral interview with one of the campus recruiters. Um, and then the final round is a bit of combination between the technical and the behavioral side as well. So each stage looks for slightly different things. And just one, maybe a good one to focus on there is the behavioral interview, because I know that that can uh, trick a few people up early in the piece. What's the best way to approach those? For us, um, people are our greatest asset. Uh, and I think it's so, so easy for students to fall into that. I'm putting on my interview jacket. I'm, you know, I've done all my research. I know what they're looking for. And therefore, I'm really focusing on what I think the interviewer wants to hear. For us, it's really about getting beyond all that and saying, okay, you know, what what really motivates you? Why are you excited to join us? What, what makes you tick? What from a technical or quantitative perspective really grinds your gears? Um, so yeah, I'd say as best as possible, sure, have some structure around some examples some things you think will be of interest, but also know that it's about you reverse interviewing the employer um, and letting them get to know the real you. When you say real you, would it be fair to say that um, it's better for all involved in that room if someone's got a bit of personality and can kind of, you know, crack a joke or actually smile, be a bit more relaxed? Yeah, like certainly the the smile piece. And I think, you know, we've had a, a bit of an interesting year, obviously, um, majority of interviews conducted via Zoom, but we still have that video component, right? Body language means a lot. Um, so I'd certainly encourage you to, to bring your full self to, to any interview, obviously reading the room in terms of suitability and, and timing of jokes and such like. Um, but yeah, we, we want you to, to feel comfortable. We want you to bring that energy to the interview as well. And just one more thing before I've got a couple more questions for Grant as well. Um, but I wanted to touch on the the cover letter 
point because that is certainly a point of discussion where some employers have come out and said, we don't want cover letters anymore. And I think some are even saying we don't really want resumes, just want to answer the question. When cover letters are required, have you got some points around that for students and, um, you know, how can they make them interesting and not too waffly and, and uh, you know, stand out from the crowd? Yeah, absolutely. I think a key point there is is not too waffly. Um, suddenly there's, you know, this anxiety around the fact that you've got a blank page to, to spill your life onto and you're not quite sure where to take it. Um, one thing, unfortunately, I see quite frequently is that students fall into the trap of just copy and pasting their CV over to the cover letter, but they either remove the bullet points or kind of beef out the paragraph a little bit further. We've already got that content there. We, we know that about you already. What I think is a really great opportunity is to say, okay, Having done my research, what are the three things that stand out to me about this employer? Or what are the three things that are important to me? And where have you seen this in this organization? But also, what do you want to add? Um, you know, all organizations are saying, okay, we want to, we want a culture ad, we want people that are going to take us to the next level. Um, sure, you, you, you're a student, you're not going to have 10 years of experience, but it's still an opportunity to let that employer know how you think you're going to be able to contribute to the future of the business. I think it's probably a good segue to Grant there, Nicole, when you said do some research on the company, um, you know, obviously there's the about us section on websites and everything that has a bit of information, but Grant, what, uh, I guess, platform, what um, resources does Grad Australia help uh, students with when they're looking for a bit more information on a particular employer? Yeah, the breadth is quite large actually, Luke, but in terms of, because you're right, the, the question always comes up, um, students will say, well, what does actually do your research mean? Um, and where do I start? Um, so typically we recommend to students to adopt a four-step um, research funnel. So the first step being research. So I'll name them all and then I'll drill into each of them. So first step being to actually research a bunch of different employers um, based on different industries you might be interested in. Um, so just because you're studying, for example, accounting doesn't mean that you need to work in the accounting industry. There's a, there's a plethora of different industries out there that will hire, for example, accounting students, um, like transport, for example, and uh, yeah, a bunch of others. Uh, so then once you start researching, then you need to go into the side um, stage, then start planning for, okay, well, who am I actually going to be applying uh, for and, and um, when, when the applications open and close, et cetera. And then the final step being actually applying for the roles and like what um, and Nicole was mentioning, um, covering off uh, or really start to tailor down your applications and your cover letter based on what the employer is looking for and based on what you're looking for as well, because it's all about a right fit. So in terms of what we offer at Grad Australia, as I said, there's a lot. There's things like the Grad Reviews, which are really cool resource for students to jump on and get a bit of a, um, as I said before, a bit of a peek behind the curtains as to what different employers like Optiva are saying, what grads are actually saying on the job. And that really, and I feel that's really powerful because it helps students kind of find their passion and go, well, actually, that's something that's really interesting to me. I, I really feel like I can be a grad at Optiva and I can be happy. And that's a, you know, it seems like their training program and um, all those resources that they publish on sites like Grad Australia, um, yeah, they're all out there. So, and then once you actually go, okay, um, I want to apply for Optiva, then you can start um, moving down the process from there. Alternatively, on the flip side, if you actually start doing your research and uncovering an employer and actually going, well, actually, that's not a good fit for me, that's fine. You can opt out and you can go elsewhere. You don't need to apply for every program that might be hiring for your discipline. Sometimes that's the best way to go about it too. You quite often find that I'll work something out 
in reverse saying, hey, like, is this the right answer? No, it's not. Keep moving. So I think there's, there's no wasted time in looking at something and, and having a bit of a think about it and going, oh, well, this isn't me, but that's okay because then you know that and you can you can allocate your time better elsewhere. 100%. And we, and we get it, right? That there's On Grad Australia right now, I think there's five, six, seven hundred graduate roles available. So there's a lot of opportunities out there for students, um, which is a great sign, especially post-COVID, that a lot of employers are still hiring grads. Um, but on the flip side, as we keep on saying, you don't need to apply for all of them. Um, so really try and find your passion and what's a good fit for you and then delve in because you might only apply for five to 10 companies, but if they're the companies that you really love and you really want to work for, then straight away, you're actually in a better position than applying for a hundred companies and doing a bit of a broad brush shotgun approach to, um, yeah, to applying for positions. Grant, Grant, on that, how many, or what are the size of the companies that are on Grad Australia? And I guess the reason I asked that is because we know that, you know, a, a grad program at a massive corporate like PwC or KPMG or whatever it might be is fantastic, but it's also got its drawbacks for someone that, you know, personally works better in smaller teams and a smaller environment or a more, more dynamic environment. Are there those options or alternatives on Grad Australia as well? Most certainly super varied. So you've got employers as big as PwC, EY, et cetera, that will recruit hundreds and hundreds of grads each year from a variety of different disciplines, right down to smaller employers. And they might be a local mum and pop shop who only hire one or two grads per year, um, but they're just looking for the best talent. So they want to feature there as well. Um, so yeah, super. there's a lot of variety there. Unreal. Um, Nicole, I just wanted to go back to you. One thing you said in terms of, um, I guess, going back to like a first principles approach when you're actually applying four places. If you're a grad coming out of uni and saying, well, you know, I'm a student, I don't actually have any experience that's relevant to put on this resume or this cover letter. What can students be doing when they're at university to one, get that experience? And two, how can they be thinking of um, talking to experiences that they do have that they might think isn't relevant in an interview or application? I think that that point there is something that's really important to focus on. Um, so often when uh, students kind of speak to me at fairs, at networking events, like I, I don't have experience. Um, so you say, okay, what else do you get up to at university? Suddenly unearth that you know, parts of societies or, you know, they've got these passion projects taking place with friends or, you know, it's, it's personal projects or, you know, they, they do research on certain topics in their own time. All these things really matter, um, particularly in our domain, whereby chances are you're not going to have strict or well, strictly relevant experience in, uh, I did quotation marks there, um, for, for the relevant experience in the trading domain. Um, for us, it's about looking at transferable skills and interests. Um, so something that really, um, you know, takes people's surprise is like, we want to hear about your hobbies. If you're taking part in strategy board games or, you you know, you're in competitive sports, is the underlying behaviours and interests that are actually really transferable to our environments. Um, so what I'd say is challenge your own opinion and perspective of what relevant experiences um, and then based on what you know about the employer how that might be transferable so let's take a broad definition of experience as opposed to saying well i have to be working in something for that to equal experience absolutely correct yeah and let's say that uh luke and i both applied for the Optiva graduate program and were successful because we're pretty sharp uh what, what will we be doing in the program um, again, it will sort of depend on uh, the, the role that you're in, but uh, there's a, a couple of similarities. And in a nutshell, that, that initial focus is definitely on your learning and development. 
um, our intern and graduate programs are headed up by our dedicated heads of education. So we've currently got two heads of IT education, one head of training education. Um, and the, the first couple of weeks in particular is giving you that safe space, sorry, giving you that opportunity for, for a safe place to explore. Um, so upskilling you on the quantitative and technical acumen, but also the broader business acumen and helping you really understand the, the why behind the, the day-to-day of what we do here. Um, from there, depending on your program, uh, there's a lot of learning by doing. Uh, on the training side, as you can imagine, there's quite a lot of risk there. So we've purpose-built a simulated environment for you to get to used to interacting with, with the markets. So, um, you know, we, we do a bit of damage control, I guess, in, in that respect. Um, we, we've got a little bit more scope on the technical side. So it's integrating you into a team and sort of learning by doing. Um, what I will say across the board is we're really focused. Uh, we're really focused on giving you real business problems to, to work on. We don't see the point in creating these special intern and grad problems because we're not truly reflecting the nature of the day-to-day work. We want to see where you really thrive. We want to give you as real of an experience as possible um, and give you that autonomy, uh, give you that autonomy and responsibility uh, as early as possible. Unreal. It sounds like a really good program, Nicole. Now I want to talk to both of you about. Um, the concept of kind of careers fairs and where students can go to get kind of their best bang for buck in terms of time as for exposure to graduate employers. Now I'll be totally honest. I wasn't a massive fan of them when I was at uni because they were kind of put on at uni and it felt like it might've been only employees that paid to get there with their kind of thing. Do you want to walk us through, and I know it's come a long way since that, um, but do you want to walk us through kind of what a careers fair is and maybe the best approach for a student going to one of these things in terms of what they should be thinking about beforehand, what they should be planning, that kind of thing? Um, so careers fairs, um, yeah, they're, they're an interesting style of event because they can vary quite massively depending on the university, depending on the third party that's hosting them, depending on whether they're in person or, or virtual. Um, I've personally definitely noticed a big shift between the, the virtual and the, the in-person events um, over the last year. Um, in terms of what they offer, to, to Grant's point, it's almost like a um, when they're in person, an in-person version of the likes of Grad Australia. You've got so many different types of employers and it's an opportunity for you to just go around, sense check, meet some people, understand you know, what these companies are all about. Um, for a company like Octavert, career fairs are a really big part of, um, I guess, our campus engagement because there's still a lot of people that don't know about us or don't quite understand who we are and what we do. So it gives that no obligation opportunity just to inquire, to be curious and get to the bottom of what you might want to know. Um, it's been a bit different, as I'm sure many, many students know this last year. Um, I think we've all faced some challenges in terms of how do we actually interact with people? What questions should we be asking, you know, online versus in person? Everyone can see the questions that I asked if, if I type them. So that makes me feel a little bit more nervous. Um, it takes a lot of courage. And I'd say one, one thing is just be bold, particularly in these online environments. It's, it's still a platform for you to, to be curious and understand. Um, so just use it purely for that. There, there's no pressure. There's still no sense of obligation. There's no silly questions. And I think that's a really important thing to kind of reiterate. Um, the great thing that the likes of um, Prospel and kind of then the broader Grad Australia and Grad New Zealand teams have been doing is actually providing a platform to um, leverage, I guess, the virtual realm that we're in at the moment. Um, so to your point, they're often um, university-based or kind of faculty, society-based. Um, and so it depends on who can get there at any one time. As students know, campus season is pretty crazy. So for an employer, sometimes we have to choose between, okay, 
which which physical location do we need to be in? I'm only one person. Unfortunately, I can't be in three states at once. So um, the likes of the events that the Prospel's been holding, um, there's uh, another one next week and the week after, um, brings a lot of employers together that are interested in your sort of domain. So the next two are kind of groups around engineering and technology. And for us, that's an opportunity to say, hey, tech students, we're really interested in your skills and your studies. Let us tell you why. And the emphasis then is on the employer to say, come and get to know us. We want to offer you this opportunity. Yeah. So I suppose it's going in with an open mind to these things. If you're an, take, take your example, if you're a data science or engineering student thinking I'm going to go down, you know, and try and work for Facebook, there might be some other um, businesses there that you probably legitimately have never heard of before, but might be a really good option for you. Yeah, um, definitely. Grant, do you want to tell us through or tell us about the uh, events that Prosper are kind of hosting there that Nicole mentioned in, in around Australia? Sure. Yeah. I can quickly touch on it. Um, and We've been running these for the last year or so since COVID. Um, so we partnered with a lot of universities to run these virtual career fairs because obviously physical career fairs, unfortunately, weren't possible last year. Um, so we're doing a number of industry-based uh, virtual career fairs. So the next one is, I actually don't have the dates in front of me, which is a bit embarrassing, but I think it's uh, next, next week, which is um, the technology one, and then the week after is engineering. Um, and the format is it's about two hours uh, long, the first half an hour, is dedicated focus sessions where we actually have a range of different topics. So for example, the engineering one will be say civil engineering. So if you're interested in working in the civil engineering space, there's a panel of employers, I think it's a mix of employers and HR managers to sort of get that nice cross-pollination between the questions of more technical um, application questions, but also you know, what grads actually do on the job in civil engineering companies. Um, and then flowing on from those focus sessions, it's a, it just acts like a typical physical career fair where students just jump in from booth to booth and yeah, meet hopefully their, um, their future employer. And, and as a quick tip as well for, for students, especially in a virtual environment, because I don't know about you, Nicole, but I found when I was a grad and student um, attending the physical career fairs, I felt like a little bit of a deer in the headlights in the sense of, you were walking up to sit from stand to stand and you were speaking with employers and you were a little bit embarrassed to actually ask the question of, um, oh, I haven't heard of PwC. What, what do you do? And sort of dialing back 10 years ago, um, that was a pretty embarrassing question to actually ask. But with online, and that's the power of online is it's literally at a click of the button. You've got Google and you can just you know, open up another tab and start Googling these companies and at least have some sort of understanding about the company before you jump into a booth. And that way you can also start tailing your questions um, and be just a little bit more prepared as well. Um, so yeah, we have found them to be super popular actually. It's good. It's, it sounds like a great resource for students. And just to join, join the dots on two things we were talking about earlier in terms of cover letter and career fairs. If, if a student goes to one of these career fairs and, and meet someone such as Nicole and hears about Optiva. When you write your cover letter, say you met Nicole, say you had a great chat about Optiva and, and what what's going on there because then it shows you've made a, a personal connection. And I think if I've learned anything over the journey, if you can make personal connections when you submit these otherwise maybe somewhat bland pieces of um, application to companies, then it, it makes such a difference because you have someone on the inside and if Nicole reads that and says, oh, I actually met Luke and Luke was interested in law, but he really wants to do trading for whatever reason. Like that makes such a difference. So I think that's a, that's something that students can hopefully leverage to, to get their foot off the ground. 
I think further to that side, like it's given that we're a couple of years into um, industry now, I've been to these kind of career fairs as a you know, representative of the firm. And if you meet someone and actually have a proper chat, that you can't kind of get them a job, but you can certainly take that resume to HR and say, hey, this person's actually really good. I think they deserve an interview. And that will often happen. Um, but if you don't put yourself out there at these things, then you, you, know, you kind of um, delete the, the possibility of that ever happening. So I think that's an important point. Um, guys, just before we wrap up, I do want to touch on, and this is probably more directed at Nicole from a recruiter perspective, but we talk a lot on this show about the kind of the magic or the, um, the opposite of that of LinkedIn and what that can, um, do for students coming through. Do you want to talk to that about as a tool, um, for students to connect with, you know, people like yourself, Nicole in the recruitment space, but also to get an idea from people who actually work in teams that you might be, you know, end up working in at certain firms or certain companies, um, is that a good thing? How can people go about it? And kind of what's best practice from your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I personally am very much a support of LinkedIn. I think it's a, a great tool. To your point, um, it, it's an avenue for, for research. Um, uh, as an organization, we certainly share our, our opportunities and kind of uh, insight articles via our, our LinkedIn channel. But it's a good opportunity for you to start piecing together the dots. Um, as you say, you can understand a lot about an organization through the, the people that are on there. Um, it, it's interesting. You'll, you'll definitely find that not all members of Optiva are, are on LinkedIn. Um, I think partially that's because for so much of our workforce, we, we grow from within. We're, we're so focused on um, our intern and graduate hiring. It's always been incredibly important. Um, to us in terms of generating new, new insights, new perspective, new ideas um, from the bottom up. Um, and people stay here a pretty long time. So it's a, oh, well, I'm here. Um, but on the contrary to that, and, and particularly as students are using LinkedIn more and more, it gives you an opportunity to say, okay, cool. I, I can see that people came from my university or, you know, this Nicole, she told me that it doesn't matter that I, I come from XYZ background, but I'm not sure I believe her. Okay. I'll do a little bit of research. It turns out three grads that joined last year actually come from the same academic background as me. So um, in terms of providing a little validation, I guess, um, know that I'm not just saying what, <laughs> what I think you want me to say. Um, but also getting an insight into the types of projects they might have done. You know, people list their, their skills, their kind of passion projects, their thesis topics. Um, it, it gives you some additional kind of points of reference there as well. Definitely. It adds to that personality that Luke was chatting about before. Absolutely. Oh, awesome. I think, guys, I think that's a great place to leave it. So uh, thanks for coming on today and, and chatting through us or chatting with us about Grad Australia Grant and and Optiva Nicole, it's been awesome to learn about the careers fairs that students can attend virtually while we're still in this this state of limbo somewhat. And it's been awesome to hear about the, the graduate program at Optiva and um, congrats again on making the top 100, Nicole. So thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have a profession you would like to know more about, a question you would like us to ask, or a story you would like to tell, please reach out to us on the social channels at either the Young Professionals Podcast, TYPPAU, or our personal profiles. We'd love to hear from you.